0: Okay, you guys, today I'm so pumped for this episode because we have Max Sadek here who is an expert at marketing wedding businesses. So anyone in the wedding industry, open up your ears. This is an episode you're going to want to absorb completely and fully. And really, he's gonna talk about why you as a wedding vendor need to sharpen your marketing skills, why it is so important for you to take control of your marketing why it's important for couples to hire vendors who actually know how to handle their marketing, how to develop a business that has a never-ending flow of leads that you control, and how building a business centered on serving you and your clients is just gonna make things exponentially explode, but also give you a lot of power.
1: We are gathered here today to bring together the wedding community. Whether you are a seasoned pro, a newbie planning to start your own wedding business or an engaged couple hoping to see behind the scenes, we're here to share tips, tricks and laughs with you as we talk weddings. The Union Podcast is a show that aims to build a community for those in the wedding planning trenches. Join Jamie Wolfer, Heather Larie Fear, and special guests in roundtable discussions about the challenges and joys of the wedding business. And now, here come your hosts, Jamie and Heather.
0: I'm thrilled to have Max here today. I have a real personal story with how we ended up connecting. He actually had the trademark on Wedding Hackers. And for those of you who did not know, that is my business. And I wrote a book, got 90% into writing the book, and then saw that he had the trademark and about fainted and then thought, well, I'm just going to reach out to this guy and hopefully he is a wonderful person and doesn't tell me to change direction here. And I reached out to him and he heard about what I was doing and how we were wanting to shake things up in this industry, help couples, help vendors. And he was like, you know what, Heather, you can actually have this trademark. I will gift it to you. So he is a wonderful, wonderful person as well as a genius at marketing. So thank you, Max, for being here. This is
2: awesome. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I'm so happy that you guys invited me to talk about it because there's literally nothing I'm more passionate about than seeing Mm. small business owners being able to thrive while they're helping couples. It literally is like what I wake up in the morning for.
0: Oh, I believe it. And I have seen it in the way you interact. For those of you who are new to Max, he has a website marketingbymax.com. And he has a huge Facebook group that you want to be involved in that has thousands of wedding vendors in it that are all working together to build better marketing For themselves and guiding each other, it's super powerful stuff. Now, Jamie, I know you're new to Max, so yeah. What questions do you have for him Oh today? my gosh, Max.
3: But first of all, I'm just going to reiterate what Heather said. I am so excited you're here for the most selfish of reasons. I'm going to be totally honest because I have barely even attempted to tip, like dip my toes into how to market online because it's overwhelming and I don't know what I'm doing. So I have my pen and my paper ready and I am gonna, I am going to grill you, my friend, because I need everything that's <laughs> in your brain right now. And I'm so, so excited about it. So again, just repeating what she said. Thank you so much for being here basically just help me out. Like, let's be honest. Thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Totally. Let's do this.
3: I know. So if you can explain to me why it is so important to take control of your marketing, like what is the benefit of doing that? Why is that important?
2: Well, totally. So number one, I kind of want to define real quick what marketing is, because I think the biggest misconception that exists, especially for small businesses, is that marketing and advertising is the same thing. Hmm. And while advertising is part of marketing, Um, it's just a small part and marketing is this overarching part art, part science, um, of essentially dressing your business up. Marketing is as important for your business as the way you look when you leave your house. We kind of don't even think about it twice. We make sure we look at the mirror and that we don't look like we're a mess and we don't have a piece of broccoli stuck between our teeth. Um, right? But we don't do the same for our business. Hmm. And marketing is that for the business. It's making sure your business is presentable and it is communicating itself properly through its appearance to the outside world.
3: Wow. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's unpack that more. <laughs>
2: Totally. So think of it this way. When you first meet a person, right, it has been scientifically proven that you draw conclusions about this person within the first few seconds. Now, clearly, nobody fools themselves thinking that you could look at a person and within a few seconds know anything about them. Nonetheless, you can't help it yourself. You are automatically going to jump to conclusions because that's just how our mind works. But we don't think that Uh, we we don't spend the time thinking that the same happens for a business. When Mm. somebody encounters your business, within a few seconds, they're going to draw conclusions. And those conclusions are going to be based on what they see since they don't know anything else about your business.
0: Oh my gosh. (laughs) This is good. This is already good and very deep, Max. Now you mentioned advertising, just a small, tiny corner of this marketing. What do we need to know about the advertising? Just give it to us straight. What should people be doing right now?
2: Totally. So, okay. So if we were talking 20 or 25 years ago, I would tell you that advertising is when you are carefully crafting your message to look all manicured and polished. However, that's out the window. Mm -hmm. We've been shoved down our throats with advertising on TV and radio and newspapers and magazines. For so many years now that we're just, as a society, we're almost allergic to it. And you can see people are pretty much have conditioned themselves to ignore advertising. And what really works today is when you take your organic message and Mm -hmm. you simply put money behind it. So in my point of view, the best advertising that works the best is when you act in your paid advertising, exactly as you act on your free channel when you post free on on social media is exactly how you should be advertising yourself. And the more you can do that, which is actually pretty hard because we have a mental block naturally, but the more you can do that, the more successful your advertising will be.
0: Okay. This is very interesting. So I think with all the psychology of advertising and there's a bajillion books out there and there are courses and there are all these things, I mean for a wedding professional, where should they actually be looking? Like what advertising should they be doing? When you say acting naturally, I mean, are we talking Instagram, Facebook? Are we talking print magazines? Like probably not those, but what platforms?
2: Okay. So in my opinion, the best ROI is on social media. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is this. So there's two ways to look at demand, right? And and your business is only going to be as profitable as there is demand for its services. Um, And so there are two types of demands. There's a push and a pull, right? So when somebody goes on Google and they type a wedding photographer, for example, they are demonstrating that they have demand for wedding photography. And then Google is going to come back with, gazillions, bazillions, you know, of listings. And that's called demand fulfillment. Google is going to attempt to fulfill their demand for a wedding photographer. Now, it's not a bad thing to show up in Google, whether it's paid or if you're an SEO rock star and you showed up right next to Wedding wire and the knot, and all those big companies. But even if you showed up in an ad, that's still really good. However, the problem with this approach is that at this time, there's going to be tons of people competing for their attention because they've just showed a signal, a very clear signal that they're looking for a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. However, when you look at the wedding journey overall, very few couples wake up one morning and say, hey, babe, let's get married this weekend. Like it does happen, but that's not a common occurrence. Usually it's a journey that takes about a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe 10 months, but it's a relatively lengthy journey. And their demand for the service will start warming up slowly until it comes to this boiling point at which they sit down and start Googling stuff. If you use social media, you'll be able to do what's called demand generation. In other words, if you can take your message and put it in front of that couple before they begin Googling, before they realize they actually need your services, then you're creating a window of time that allows you to warm them up to you, right? If they Googled wedding photographer and you came up with one of those million other photographers or whether it's florist or venue or whatever services you provide, you don't have the time to show them who you really are, right? Because they're going to look at all of those people in one setting or two settings and it's going to be pretty quick. But if you put your ad in front of them on social media two months earlier, you now have two months to slowly show them how good you are and show them your personality. When they do sit down to do that Google search, you're going to be miles ahead of the competition.
0: Okay. Now, I am just reflecting on some of the amazing content Jamie puts out on YouTube and thinking... That is where people are looking before they even are engaged to kind of like feel out what this wedding planning business is going to be. And in that process, they get to know her and love her before they're even putting a ring on someone's finger. And by that point, they're already sold that they want to work with her. Is that kind of what you're meaning?
2: That's exactly what I mean. What she's doing there is one of the most genius ways of marketing. She's essentially getting the couples to get to know her before they ever need have the need in her services. So mm-hmm. when they do need the services, they may look at other vendors of hers. Mm-hmm. At that point, who are you going to go for? Somebody who you already know and trust? or somebody who you've never heard of. Yeah,
0: very
3: yeah, true. and That's something that I've seen accidentally happen because I've, I've talked about this on my channel. I've talked about it on other various social media platforms where I'm like, I didn't mean for it to be this. Like I started it off as means to help my current clients who potentially just booked me for like day of coordination and they needed more hands-on help throughout the process. And to be totally honest, I wanted a YouTube channel for years before I ever even started one. So I was like, two birds, one YouTube channel, great. <laughs> and what has happened yes. because of that is... I mean, I've just seen this explosion of people, whether they're single, whether they're engaged, whether they're other wedding planners looking for how to get into this, just loving the content, which is so overwhelming and so humbling for me. But like I have a whole slew of people who call themselves single Pringles that comment (laughs) on my videos. They're like, I'm not even engaged I'm not even dating anybody, but I'm watching this because I'm fascinated by the process. So, and I've had people specifically comment, Max, what you just said. I'm not engaged, but you can bet when I am, I'm calling you. And I right. didn't think for that to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. It's just happening organically and it's blowing my mind.
2: Right, exactly. It is exactly what you see, and you're doing it the smart way. You're, you're warming them up through good content but there's actually a slew of psychological reasons why this is happening. So number one is you're establishing yourself as an authority. They have time to see over time to watch your material and realize like, Hey, this person really knows what she's talking about. She's not just calling herself a wedding planner or coordinator or whatever, but she's actually demonstrated her knowledge. Mm -hmm. So there is respect towards people that we consider to be an authority, right? Just like when we go to a doctor When the doctor says, hey, go do something, then you usually comply because you respect the authority of the doctor. But then there is also another psychological reason, which is a bit less obvious. And it's almost like it works in the background, but it is nonetheless just as strong. And it's called reciprocity. You see, Mm -hmm. if you've been helping me with your good advice for a while now, And even if it's an advice that I wasn't able to use yet, but it was entertaining content, I will automatically feel gratitude for you putting in the effort to produce Mm. those videos. Mm. And even though it's working in my subconscious, because I feel that gratitude, I feel like I owe you. So Mm -hmm. even if you're 10% more expensive than your other competitor, I probably still would go with you. You would have to be significantly more expensive before the price action plays into the whole decision-making process. So if you're just slightly more expensive, it still works because I feel like, one, I respect your knowledge, and B, I owe you because you've given me all that free content.
0: Jamie, welcome to non-YouTube world. Are you getting confused because you can't tell people to ring your bell or whatever that deal is ring on YouTube? My bell. <laughs> right? Ring bell. Right? Ring my, my bell. bell.
3: Yeah. Basically, I'm just confused because I don't know how to tell people how to subscribe. So um, normally I'm like, hey, go to the button down below, hit subscribe, turn on the bell notification so you get notified every time I
0: upload a video. And then
3: I realize that this is a podcast. So ding, that's ding, not
0: ding. This- you're yeah. right. It's a podcast. So you guys, just on whatever platform you're using, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. That's it, Jamie. That's the whole deal. Oh, well, that was a lot simpler. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Do it, guys. Subscribe so you can hear more of all this.
3: Oh my gosh, Max, my mind is blown right now. I never even thought about that because I can see myself as a consumer feeling that way, thinking Mm -hmm. that way. Like I'm going to purchase something from someone that I know, but I'd never even thought about because I've been so grateful for the content they've given me that that almost in a beautiful way indebts me to them because I want to choose them because I know them and also because they've given me so much.
2: Wow. Right. And reciprocity is something that's ingrained in us really, really deeply Hmm. And it goes back to evolution. If you think about it, we as a species wouldn't be able to survive unless we learn how to collaborate and help each other. Because like the only thing when we were running around the savannas in Africa, the only thing that we had on the tigers and the lions is our ability to work as a group. Hmm. If we didn't work as a group, there's absolutely no way we would have survived. And so that reciprocity thing has became so ingrained in us that because of evolution, right? So mm-hmm. if you did something for me and uh, back then and I didn't want to, Repay back, it would be stigmas like a moocher or a taker and the person who doesn't give back. It's considered to be such a taboo and such a bad thing to be because of those evolutionary processes. We feel like it's one of the worst things you can do when you take and don't give back.
0: Yes, the generosity is a big asset to people. I love this. And I think this is something Jamie and I both knew intuitively since both of us have built businesses where we give and give and give because we know that that is what's going to build the rapport. And I don't know that we knew at the psychological level what we were cueing there for people, but that makes total sense. Um, And I want to speak to how this all helps couples. Now, why hiring a vendor who actually knows how to do their marketing might help a couple? Because I do feel like it's going to make a difference. There's going to be a better service available. What are your thoughts, Max?
2: Absolutely. So... Number one, although there may not be, it may not be cause and effect, there may just be a correlation here, Mm -hmm. but there is a really strong correlation between people who are good at marketing and just overall are running their business in in a really good way. And if you're going to hire somebody and pay them thousands of dollars and forget about the money, you're hiring somebody to perform a service on a time and day where there's no do-overs, right? You're not hiring somebody to coordinate a birthday party for you that could be done over next year. You're not hiring a cake maker to bake you a cake for an average dinner party that whatever, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. This cake better work out because there's no do-overs. The flower arrangements better come in properly done because there's no do-overs. And usually speaking, people who have their marketing together appear to also have the rest of their business together Mm -hmm. and they just overall appear to be more successful. So that's number one. Reason number one, why I would say that if a vendor appears to have their marketing together, most likely you'll have a better experience. Mm -hmm. Number two, when they're transparent for their marketing and they're putting out a lot of content, it gives you a chance to see how much do they actually know right? It could be it's funny that just about an hour or an hour and a half ago, I was browsing through Facebook and somebody posted an article about this poor couple who hired a photographer and they went kind of cheap. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they went for like less than 800 bucks for a full day coverage, which is a bit cheap, but they didn't vet the photographer properly. Oh. And the, the bottom line result is that their iPhone photos from the guests are actually less dark and less grainy than the photos they got from their photographer. Now, if that photographer was marketing and putting tons of content out there, they would have had the chance to see that the photos are kind of crappy. Mm -hmm. And so by reviewing the content that the business is putting out, Mm -hmm. you can right away tell, A, do they know their stuff? B, do they care about their stuff? Because Mm -hmm. whatever they're putting out there for free is going to be equal to the quality of what they're going to charge for.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
3: What? This is so good. My page of notes is like over halfway full. I'm about ready to start my second page. Like this is, oh, Max, I adore you. This is awesome. (laughs) Thank you. So how do we do this? How do we develop a business with a never ending flow of leads that we can control? Like how do we implement that? Like in this area, in this arena, like how do we tactically put those into play?
2: All right. So it's actually much easier than you think it is. And This is one thing because I work with a lot of wedding professionals, both one-on-one and in group settings. And especially in one-on-one coaching, we get into these conversations a lot of times. And this is what I notice: The more you can be yourself, and the more you can just act as freely as you would in front of your closest friends and family, the better success you're going to see with social media. People want real. They don't want manicured and fake. They want mm-hmm. the real you as you would act with your really the closest people to, your, to you in your life. So here's the formula to success. And I've yet to see somebody implement it properly and it's not working. And I've worked so far with probably close to a thousand different wedding vendors and I've never seen somebody implement this to the T and it's not worked. So this is the formula, you ready?
0: Oh my yes. gosh, give it to us, lay it All on right. us.
2: <laughs> Number one, you need to be on social media at least three to five times a week, right? It doesn't have to be this extensive going on social media 15 times a day, just three to five times a week where you come on social media and you put out good quality content about what you do. For example, if you're a florist, then jump on Facebook Live, jump on Instagram Live, or maybe do an Instagram TV and talk about something that you know. Now, remember, it may appear obvious to you, but everybody else in this universe is not a florist and it may not be obvious to them, Mm -hmm. right? You know, for example, a trick or two how to keep the roses alive three or four days longer than they normally would. Go share that right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you anything to jump on Facebook and say, Hey guys, did you know that if you do X, Y, Z, the roses you bought at the store are going to survive three to five days longer, right? Mm-hmm. It's basic, but I would appreciate knowledge like that because if I bring my wife roses home, I want them to stay alive for a few days longer. Yeah, So, yeah. so that's step one. Step two, when they engage with your content, then come back to that, those same people and give them more awesome content for free right? And when I say more awesome content, give the best content you have away for free, the better it is. And don't worry about like, what am I getting in return? You're getting good karma in return, right? When you're handing something without expecting anything back, it's very fulfilling, but it's also like how the universe works. You're going to get some goodness back. And then as you produce more and more content, you want to use the tools that Facebook and Instagram provide for. And Google ha- has those tools as well, where you can track what your content. So Facebook has this thing called Facebook pixel. And when you put out a video on Facebook, when you put out a video on your website and somebody navigates to your website, where you put out a blog post on your website and somebody goes to that webpage, Facebook tracks every single person who went there right? Mm -hmm. And you can create what's called a retargeting list. Or on Facebook, they call it custom audience. Now, the beauty of it, if I see your video today, because I found it organically on Facebook, and now you have me pixeled, you can come back and show me a second video and a third video, and then another blog post and another blog post. And you can do it all with a very small budget, because you're not trying to target 3 million people or 10 million people, because you're a small business. Can you really handle 10 million customers? Probably not.
0: Probably not. No.
2: rather than spreading your budget thin and trying to target 10 million people you put out free content and people who find your free content you then take a little budget and focus it on that small group of people but you okay. saturate them with good content so all of a sudden for those 500 people you appear to be everywhere so you're mm-hmm. right you're just as as vocal as McDonald's and Target and JCPenney but you're doing it on a small budget because you're only touching a small group of people 500 people 1000 people after you've done that for a little while, you've now earned your right to come back and show them sales ads. Now, when I say sales ads, I don't mean for you to stand on a, on a podium with a microphone and yell as loud as you can, please buy my sh-. excuse my <laughs> question.
0: Uh,
2: but, you know, you don't, definitely don't want to do that. But after you've given content for a while, it's okay to come back and say, hey, if you're still looking for a photographer, why don't you check if I'm available? Here, click here and find out if I'm available for your date. Mm-hmm. After you've done that, there's really nothing else for you to do. They will reach out. It's a guaranteed thing and it works every single time.
0: Okay, I love this. This is a strategy my husband and his business, they definitely use the pixels and retargeting ads and they just completely scrap cold traffic ads because like, that's just an intense level to play at um, if you don't have the budget for it, which most small businesses don't. When you're going through this process, I see it akin to like someone dating that you're kind of getting to know them and showing like layers of the onion. And then eventually you tell them like, Hey, I want to make this more serious. And you're not jumping in with the very first ad, trying to sell them on something. Is that kind of idea max i'm just making sure
2: totally totally think of it this way right so at some point your husband said hey heather would you marry me and you said yes Mm -hmm. now let me ask you this question and be super honest if for the first time think think back when he when you saw him for the first time when he approached you or you approached him what if the first words to come out of his mouth were heather would you marry me what would would be be, your reaction i would
0: have been really frightened because we were 12
2: (laughs) (laughs) there you go little
0: preemptive there
2: Right. There you go.
0: But definitely, you know, we took a nice 13 year approach to that before we got to that question. And then it worked out much better for all of us. Yeah. It's almost akin to
3: unsolicited pictures through dating apps. You know, it kind of feels like if you just throw an ad in front of somebody, they're like, I didn't ask for this. I don't know you. I don't want this. So you have to woo them. It sounds like the wooing process is the most powerful because they get to know you. And then when it comes time for you to propose, they're like, absolutely, because we have that reciprocity idea, because you've already served them for so long, Mm -hmm. they know you and now they feel like they want to work with you because they know you and they also feel like they owe you and they have gratitude towards you. So it sounds like it's this great process of like, it's a win-win for everybody involved.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it just all synergizes together. And I just want to add one other thing that's maybe going to sound a bit woo boo but I truly do believe that beyond the psychological reasons of reciprocity and establishing yourself as, as an authority, there is such thing as karma. And when you are genuinely out of your goodness of your heart, without any other intentions, putting out good quality material to help people, then somehow the universe or God or karma or whatever you want to call it comes back and rewards you with lots of good feedback in a form of money.
0: Yeah. In the form of money, which is helpful to live and eat and do all the fun things that you want to do. And I would say
3: that like, I think my YouTube channel is a great example of that. I didn't realize I was going to do that. And now it is the biggest source of income for me. It's the biggest source of income for our family. Like that is the YouTube money that we're making is literally the biggest paycheck we get every month. And I didn't know. And I didn't realize that. So I completely agree with that statement. I'm living that right now. I didn't mean to. It just happened. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's the future of marketing. I'm telling you, like even pay attention to what the big companies are starting to do and why all of a sudden influencers became so important in marketing Mm -hmm. because that's the future of marketing. I truly believe that 30, 40 years from now, there will not be TV ads as we know them today. There will not be billboards and magazine ads as we know them today. Mm -hmm. Now I do believe there'll be billboards and magazines and, and TV ads, but I think they'll take the form of, the way we see organic marketing happening on YouTube and social media today.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and with all the data that these companies have, they can do things like with these pixels where they're targeting things and you're seeing, you're seeing stuff that's way more in tune with what you would actually be interested in, where sometimes it's even freaky. Like I've jokingly told my husband once that I would get him a Tommy Bahama shirt, not that there's anything wrong with Tommy Bahama but suddenly I had a million ads for it on my Instagram feed and never had looked it up ever before in my life. So those sort of things where the brands are trying to be in tune with their potential buyers and target the marketing to what they need right now.
2: Yeah. All that's kind of adding
0: up. Now I did have another question. If building your business in this way might better serve your clients, like how, how does this benefit the couples?
2: So, I believe that an educated consumer is good for the consumer and good for the business, right? So here's the thing. When there is an abundance of good quality material put in front of the couples, first of all, it helps the couples not to make a mistake. And I really just cringe inside thinking of what happens. Like this is a huge thing in their life. Like this is the one and done. Like hopefully they're not getting divorced and getting another wedding. So like, I cringe thinking what, like, how could we even think of not having an educated couple that could end up getting burned by hiring Mm -hmm. the wrong vendors or just not hiring something they should have. I'll give you an example of a couple that's not educated when they reach out and they're like, oh, we're just going to plan our own wedding. We're not going to use a wedding planner. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, I'm like, hey guys, how many weddings have you planned before? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's our first wedding. I've never been married. I was like, okay. Like, if a doctor told you, Oh, Hey, it's my first surgery. I've never done this before. How'd you feel? And they're like, Oh crap. And I'm like, you need somebody who's done it a gazillion times and who's not going to get excited, who can go through the, almost go through the motions mechanically, because that means they have muscle memory of doing this. They've done this. Like I want my surgeon to be bored when he's doing my surgery because he's done it so many times. I don't want him excited saying, Oh, I've never done this before. Yeah, That's right. That's why you need a wedding planner. That's why you don't plan your own wedding because you've never done this. Now, wedding planning can range all the way from white glove service where you're, where you talk to your planner every day, which is a little excessive um, all the way to something like, Hey, I'm going to engage somebody with a lot of knowledge who is going to give me the information and tell me what to do. And yeah. then I'll go do it myself. Yeah. I don't think that it as much as when it comes to like wedding planning or something like that, it's not as much as in the doing part as it is into knowing what to do yes. right? And and, 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 you, the pitfalls. You just don't, and the pitfalls and you just don't know what you don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. There, yeah. I think you're spot on there. And I know as far as building a business as well, there's obviously a huge benefit to taking control of your marketing. I know we've talked before about some of the big companies that a lot of vendors rely on as their marketing source, of like the knot and wedding wire and things like that, and how you really strive to empower couples to move away from that and build their own marketing funnels yeah. and all all that. What do you see as the danger if they're sticking to those like platforms?
2: So inevitably, those platforms are going to die out as marketing shifts from billboards and messages of buy my crap to genuine, like, let me help you show you what I have. And if you want to hire me, great. If you don't, then you don't. So as we're having this shift, in our society, those platforms like WeddingWire and The Knot are going to die out. It's, it's. Mm. There's no other choice. It's going to happen. But here is the bigger problem that's happening today: these platforms are absurdly overpriced for the service they provide. Right? Yeah. When you, as a photographer, go on, on The Knot, if you're in a city like LA or New York or Miami, you're paying a thousand bucks a month. Easy. Now, let me ask you this question: If you are a bride and groom getting married, and I'm a photographer and I have to pay $1,000 a month just to have a little listing, what do you think I'm going to be, where's the money coming from? My prices are, by no choice, are getting marked up, so yeah. I can pay wedding wire, so I can pay them now. Now, if we eliminated the usage of these platforms, then we could all be a lot more affordable, right? If I can save, I'm in multiple markets. I'm in Miami, I'm in LA, and a couple other markets, so... Last time I worked with a knot, which I haven't worked with them in a while and I don't anymore, but last time I worked with them, my annual expense with a knot was $23,000. If I stop working with a knot and I save $23,000, I can then come back to the couples that I work with and you know discount my prices by the same amount. Mm-hmm. And I'm still walking away with the same amount of money at the end of the year and the couples are benefiting and we're all happy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh my Lord. This is one of the things that in The Wedding Hacker, in my book and stuff, I like drive into people's brains. And I hope the couples really understand this of like knowing how a vendor is marketing themselves and that they are making decisions that are smart business-wise impacts what you spend. And I think that's something that if you're on a budget, you need to be aware of this. If you're going to a vendor because they just get mad referrals because they do an amazing job and they don't even have to advertise anywhere, like that is excellent because you, yeah, right. you know, you're getting the personal recommendation and they're not wasting any money on fluff. And if you find someone off one of those major sites, you know a lot of their incomes going to fluff and that's coming out of your pocket.
2: So right. Ooh, and max. it doesn't add any value either. You know, When you go to, to the knot, what are you actually gaining? There's a few photos and a really basic description of the vendor and that's it. You're not gaining any knowledge. Now, an example that comes to mind that anybody could easily like identify with is think of shaving, right? So up until maybe 10 years ago, or maybe even less, when you needed a pack of razors, you went to the store and you bought Gillette or whatever other brand you used, pack of razors. All of a sudden, companies like the Dollar Shave Club and Harry's starting coming out, producing the same quality razors, like quarter of the price. So- How is it possible that they are able to produce, give you the same quality razors, like 75% cheaper? If you look at their business model, the only thing they've eliminated is supermarkets, which are marking everything up like crazy, Mm -hmm. and expensive TV ads. And once you've eliminated those two things, all of a sudden the price goes down 75%.
3: We interrupt your
0: previously
3: scheduled programming for a
0: very, very special announcement. Guys, we have
3: our wedding planner workshop, coming up and we would love for you to be a part of it. Heather, tell them about what they could be involved with if they... Oh my
0: God. It's too much to even talk about, Jamie. I know you're overwhelmed and you're losing words because it is too much. You guys, this is a growth focused business weekend where we're going to do some stellar networking and it's going to be two days of fun and focus where you are going to walk away with your brand ready to blow up in 2020. Uh, We will be holding this event in San Diego, California, February 29th and March 1st of 2020. So if you guys
3: are interested, if you want some more information, jump on over to unionpodcast.com. Check out all the information for our Wedding Planner Workshop or shoot us an email at info at com. We cannot wait to hear from you guys. We can't wait to hang out
0: with you and it's just going to be very exciting. Do it, do it, do it. We want to see you there, you guys. It's going to be amazing and you don't want to miss it. No, you don't. So you want to hire your vendors who are running a lean and mean business that they are actually charging you their costs plus they're making a little profit, but Not where they're having all this fluff and extra things that aren't necessarily adding to your experience as the customer.
3: Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like also from a vendor perspective, you already have the content in your brain. So you're not spending money on ads, you're spending the time creating your own sort of system. It's just this beautiful cycle of win, 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 because you're giving away free stuff. You already know it. Then you start to look like an expert, and then people really come back to you over and over and over again. You're not spending money on ads, and you get to kind of have this beautiful nurture sequence where you can get people to fall in love with you, and you can woo them, and then they want to hire you, and then you're not spending money. So when you go with this, it seems like when you go with this avenue, with this direction, there's no way to lose.
2: There really isn't there really, really isn't. And you know, the biggest obstacle that I hear from people, you know, people say say to me, Max, I'm a terrible writer. I can't write a blog. Or they'll say something like, I can't do videos. Okay, so here's the deal. You have all the knowledge in your head. Writers are plentiful. Find a writer Hmm. and just get on the phone with them. Tell them what you know, and they'll write it. And sure, they'll charge you somewhere between 75 and 150 bucks to write the article but here's the magic difference. When you go and advertise on the knot, you're paying the same price every month. You pay that writer one time to write the article. The article will live on your website forever. It'll get SEO and it'll pro- keep bringing you leads for the next 10 years. Yeah. And you only paid for it once.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. So with all that in mind, Max, how do we implement this? How do we put together these ads? Or, um, you know, how do we get, like for me, I've got videos, getting them in front of people and paying for them to be promoted. Like, what does that process look like from a tactical standpoint to like, okay, I created the content. Cool. Either you paid for a writer or you created a little video. Let's talk about the actual process of getting it into a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. What does that look like?
2: Totally. So, just to give an example, let's say uh, you know what I'm going to use a wedding planner uh, example. Let's say that you create a blog post on your blog that says everything you need to do in the first you know two weeks after getting engaged. Right? There's certain things you need to take care of right away, and you could write up a short five to seven hundred word post. And you Mm -hmm. can also do a quick video that's maybe five to 10 minutes long that goes over these topics. You put it all on your blog, right? Now, on your blog, you're going to install, well, on your website, you're going to install the Facebook Pixel, which, by the way, is so easy to install. If you're using WordPress or Squarespace or any of those larger platforms, there is a plugin that installs literally, like, if you can push it on a keyboard and your mouse, you can do it. It's that simple. (laughs) Now, Then you go on social media and you post a link to that material, right? So there's a couple of ways you can do that. You could either post it organically and wait a little longer for people to start coming there, or you can run a very basic ad, maybe spend a hundred dollars one time to bring some traffic there, right? So the pixel is going to catch everybody who came to that page. You're then going to show another ad to that same audience, right? And then another one. Now, From ad number two going forward, you're not advertising to the universe. You're only advertising to the small group of people who came to that page, whatever, 500 to 1,000 people. So your spend is gonna be relatively cheap. Right now, if you look at the cost of showing an ad on Facebook, the way you get charged on Facebook is for a metric called CPM, which is cost per 1,000 people or 1,000 set of eyeballs on your ad. On average, if you're really doing a great job your CPM is going to be around five to six dollars, and if you're doing a terrible job, your CPM is going to be about maybe twenty bucks. So it'll cost you twenty dollars to show your ad to a thousand people, right? So if I have to take those same thousand people and show them five or six different ads in a sequence, what are we talking about here? A hundred bucks, one hundred fifty bucks. Uh, now, when you take a thousand people and you do that and you spend a hundred to two hundred dollars, you're going to book. If you're genuinely putting out good quality material, and when I say good quality, I don't mean Hollywood production. I mean, quality of the information. Your video can be recorded with your iPhone, but the information has to be useful. When I watch it as a consumer, I have to go like, oh, this is good stuff. Like I would have paid for this and I got it for free. Out of the thousand people you're going to show that, you're going to book 10 to 15 weddings. So if you think about it, you just did what? You spent $200, maybe three tops, and you booked 10 weddings. How much would you have to pay to the wedding wire or the knot to book 10 weddings?
0: A lot, potentially for yeah. a few years, because, <laughs> because yeah. sometimes you, yeah, that, that can take a while on those sites. Okay. So people have a plan. There you go. You guys, you're welcome. Max just enlightened you and <laughs> enjoy all those weddings you're booking. <laughs> I know. I almost feel like I, I got to
3: points in some conversation where I was like, I can't even ask questions because I'm too busy taking notes right now because I just need to absorb all of this. And I think my biggest takeaway right now is retargeting. Like, yeah. So I already have a system in place. And if you guys don't, I do recommend, you know follow Max's advice and really start giving. Just give, 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 make it good, make it quality, make people look forward to hearing more from you. And then when it comes to ads, you know, I have this conception of make an ad, mm-hmm. advertise something, sell myself. Like, And because I just came out with the master plan course a couple of weeks ago and I've been struggling with how do I start this? How do I start advertising this? And I went straight to how do I make a good looking ad? Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing from you, Max, is no, 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 no. You're going to start your advertising air quotes with actually just continuing to give free content and then retargeting those people with more free content in the form of a Facebook ad. And then after you've nurtured them, after you elude them, that's when you can kind of organically deliver the sales material. So an ad, it doesn't have to be an air quote ad. It can be just another step in your nurture sequence to get people from point A to booking you.
2: Yep. Right. And I would say Not, I wouldn't use the word can be, I would use the word should be. Hmm. Because really there is, you'll see like for me in, in my instance, while I do have some sales ads sequenced at the end of the journey, after they've seen a bunch of free material, most of the people who work with me never actually get to see the sales ads because they book me before they ever got there. And once they book me, they're automatically ineligible to see any more of my ads. So the interesting thing is as they go through the ads that just deliver good quality content, they grow to like me more and more. They end up booking me before they ever have even seen a paid ad. And only a small percentage of the people who pay for my services actually stay in the funnel or in the journey long enough to see any actual salesy ads uh, Mm -hmm. whatsoever.
3: If you had to say how many, like percentage-wise, let's say you have... 20 different ads going on. How many of those are actually sales ads? Or do you have 50 going on and like two of them are sales? What does that so, look like? So, numerically? So I would
2: say maybe about 10%. Okay.
0: Wow. Well, that's the same thing with an email sales funnel. You don't want to be hitting people with sales emails more than maybe quarterly, like in the email funnels that I do it's very sparse it's mostly content and just giving them goodness and helpful ideas and then eventually you're like hey this special's going on if you're interested and then then they take it or they don't um, yep. Max, I had a question for you. Well, it's not so much a question, but something I'd like to point out because obviously Jamie and I both service couples who are more on the average to budget end of things. You are not a budget photographer. So I just want to point this out for any vendors who are listening and Are like, yeah, this works for you and Jamie because you guys give away a bunch of stuff for free. But Max is an amazing photographer who works with higher end clients, I'd say. And at least from the pricing I've heard before. Do you mind talking about that and that how this works for you and booking? I know you have very limited spots too each year that you actually photograph weddings.
2: Totally. So I only work with one couple per month, right? Because I want to have ample time to focus on my couple. And on average, my couple will spend between ten dollars and $12,000 with me. So at the end of the year, it still, it still does make enough money to have a, a normal life. Now, mm-hmm. the interesting thing here is that it's not about how much you charge. Mm. because the couples that can only afford a $1,200 photographer versus a couple who can afford a $10,000 photographer at the very basic level, they have the same needs and the needs are how the heck do I actually get married? Like, how do I plan this whole thing? Right. Right. The couple that's spending $1,200 on a photographer just As uneducated about the art of planning a wedding, as the couple who is spending $10,000. The Mm. only difference is that what kind of wedding they're gonna have. Maybe the couple with a smaller budget is not going to go and rent atop of a tower in Manhattan for their wedding because it's out of budget. But the principle of knowing, like, how do I find a venue? How do I find a coordinator to work with? How do I find my florist? These are the same problems they're having, whether they're spending $150,000 on their wedding or $5,000 on their wedding. The problems are the same.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very true. So you're doing the same content, same sort of things. It's working at that scale and at that level. And I think it's so smart and like a good life balance for you that you're not, you know, loading yourself up with three weddings a weekend and just making yourself go insane.
2: Oh, I'm way too old for that. I cannot do... (laughs) You know, in the the photography industry, we call this a double header where you're Uh shooting one on Saturday, one on Sunday. I've done those like a few times and there's no way. I can't even move after that on Monday. Like I'd be broken for a whole week. (laughs) Yes, I think that's
0: a wise decision for your health and well-being that you you are no longer doing that. Jamie, did you have any other questions? I know Max has been like amazing giving us all this... Y'all, I have pages of notes right now.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think what I kind of want to touch on is something Max was just talking about and how like he does, Max, you limit yourself to 12 clients a year. And that's something that I'm actually pushing myself towards because if I take on too many clients, I am a less effective human. I'm not as effective as a mother. I can't be as, as intentional about making sure my home is clean and doing laundry my body aches. And I think I actually worked a wedding last night. So speaking of body aches, I'm feeling it right now. And the, I don't remember the photo team or the video team, but one of them had a triple header weekend this weekend. I was like, Oh, my soul just aches. But I think that if you take these steps and if you start to give content for free and you do take couples on this journey and they start to trust you, you establish yourself as an authority. It also opens up the opportunity for you to be choosy for you to, okay, I can start charging a little bit more. And not that we're looking to price gouge. That's not, that's not the intent here. But as a vendor, you're setting yourself up for success because you're setting yourself up as someone to be respected in the field. It then just builds opportunity. So as you grow, as you get more history in the business, as you get more weddings under your belt, you can start taking on less. You can start doing less weddings and being more effective at each and every one of them by copying this quote-unquote advertising model.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's ultimately what you have to do for your own sanity. As you're, yeah. you know, getting started in this industry, maybe you're scrappy, you're just taking what you can take to, you know, cover your bills. But once you start getting established and you input some of these really smart marketing strategies and you have the skills to back it up, there's no reason to work yourself to the bone. And yeah. um, that's something I definitely want vendors hearing this to to know. Like you got to find that work life balance.
2: Yeah, it gets you off the hamster wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. and as you learn how to market better, consider the fact that the majority of other creatives in our industry, they are creatives, they're not marketers and they don't want to market. So that gives you an opportunity to bring other people under your umbrella. And maybe if you are a photographer, you no longer photograph every single wedding, but now you have three or four other photographers who you book them because you're a marketing rock star and then they actually deliver the service and they make money and you make a little money without having to give up a Saturday with your children yeah. and mm-hmm. everybody's happy.
0: Yeah, Oh, I love this. Oh my gosh. Max, (laughs) thank you so much for being here today. This was amazing content. And I know so many of the folks listening to this, the vendors, you guys, marketingbymax.com, go check it out. And you can join that fun little Facebook group with thousands of other vendors. Um, Great community there. Tons of wisdom from Max. And we're just so grateful. Thank you. And we really appreciate you.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you guys. I have a little gift for your listeners and it's not one of those, give me your email address so I can bombard you with emails. (laughs) You don't have to give me your email address. You don't have to give me your name, but here's the gift. When you join my Facebook group, and by the way, on the form that you see when you join the Facebook group, it says email is optional. If you want to drop your email and get emails from me, you can. If you leave that blank, you'll still be accepted into the group. It's not a requirement, but here's the gift. Like we talked about this, you know, material like, yeah, advertise on Facebook, but you must be thinking, okay, but seriously, which buttons do I push to create the ad? So here's the gift. (laughs) When you go into the group, there is a section called units. And inside the units, there are probably 30 or 40 hours worth of videos of me literally sharing my screen and showing you which buttons to push to create the ads. So now you have the, you know, from this podcast, you have the theory. Now you'll also have the practical knowledge of, okay, go push these specific buttons on Facebook to make this happen.
0: Yes, step-by-step tutorials. I love it, Max. This is some magic. And I think you're changing a whole bunch of people's lives right now who have been unaware of the power of this sort of marketing and advertising. And uh, you guys go explore this group and you're going to be set to go. So you're welcome. I hope your businesses flourish.
3: Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to go sign up. Max, you just solved the biggest pain point for me. Like right now, you sharing that, because I'm not in the group yet. I'm going to now. (laughs) But the biggest pain point for me is what do I click? Because I have a wealth of pictures from weddings and events. And it's not like I don't have a wealth of content, but like, okay, how do I actually click through and do this? You just solved my biggest pain point when it comes to running Facebook ads. And I swear I would squeeze your face if you were in front of me right now. Thank you.
2: (laughs) It's my pleasure. I'm just happy to help. And hopefully... You can take all of that and pass on your goodness to the couples. And so everybody benefits.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. That is the goal, Max. Thank you. And uh, everyone go check out the group. You've just walked down the aisle of today's episode of
1: the Union Podcast. Thank you for celebrating today's show with us. We hope that you found a little gem of wedding wisdom from this episode. Please let us know your feedback by sharing a screenshot of this episode on Instagram. Be sure to tag at Union Podcast so we can hear your voices. Let us know what topics you'd love to hear about on future episodes. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you prefer. Until next time, stay lovely, wedding friends.
0: better. I think that's, I, think that's okay. <laughs> I don't know that we need to say anything else we already we already just you know oh we didn't say mic drop though oh we didn't say mic drop mic drop oh, just dub that in over the top